Chapter Thirteen of The Last Stroke. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Last Stroke by Lawrence L. Lynch. Chapter Thirteen: The Lake County Herald. Has Doran been here, Doctor? These were the detective's first words when he entered the sanctum upon his return from the Marcy cottage. And before his host could do more than shake his head, Ferrars dropped into a seat beside him and went on in a lower tone. The fact is, doctor, I've got myself interested in a thing which, after all, may lead me astray. Do you take the Lake County Herald? Upon my word, ejaculated the doctor, I do, yes. Want to peruse the sheet? i don't suppose you file them went on ferrars file the herald no i fire them or jude does i wish you had not the fact is i want very much to get hold of a copy dated november last the twenty seventh do you recall the bit of paper i took from charles brierley's desktop to demonstrate that something has been hastily pulled from the letter file by that clever boy of whom mrs fry could tell so little yes surely the doctor now began to look seriously interested well the stolen paper was a newspaper clipping cut from the herald of november twenty seventh last upon my word but there i won't ask questions you need not did you not observe me looking over the papers in the rack yes possibly you saw me with the paper in my hand soon after the doctor stared and shook his head i've no eye for sleight of hand he grumbled decidedly not for i folded up that paper and thrust it in a breast pocket before your very eyes i kept that tiny bit too which i picked up on my forefinger it fitted into a column from which a piece had been cut and that's how i know that the stolen article came from that paper very simple after all you see for you yes the fact that the clipping was thought worth stealing makes me fancy it worth a perusal i tried for it here in town in a quiet way but failed then i appealed to doran and he has written to lake to the editor whom he happens to know it would be hard to find hereabouts a man of any importance whatever whom sam doran does not know he grew up in lake county and has held half the offices in the county's gift there may be a clue for us in that clipping. I discovered another thing in that room. The dead man wrote, or began, a letter to his brother. I learned this from a scrap, dated and addressed, which I found in the waste-basket, and I am led to believe the letter was rewritten, or rather begun anew, and sent from the fact that a fresh blotter showed a fragment of Briarly's name and the city address. That letter, if mailed, must have passed him as he came down did he mention getting it dr barnes shook his head he said nothing about such a letter he replied does he know about this this newspaper business not a word no one knows it but yourself if it should prove to be a clue in my hands it may be better it will be better i am sure to keep it at present between us i think however that i may decide to show miss my cousin that anonymous letter and tell her something about that mysterious boy and his visit to her lover's rooms 
and then ferrars turned from this subject to explain to the doctor his present plans how he had determined to continue his masquerade and to remain for a time in glenville and though mrs jamieson's name was not uttered the doctor found himself wondering as had hilda grant if the detective had not found the place attractive for personal as well as business reasons and if a detective's heart must needs be of adamant after all next morning samuel doran who knew the detective only as hilda grant's cousin and a right good fellow drove ostentatiously to the door to take mr grant for a drive i've had a line from joe howlett he began the moment they were upon the road he was just setting out for a run out of town but he says he told the boys to look up that paper and send it along so i guess we'll see it soon if it's in existence and doran chirruped to his team and promptly changed the subject he did not know why this man beside him so much wished to obtain a six-month-old copy of a country newspaper and he did not trouble himself to worry or wonder it was none of his business he would have said if questioned and samuel doran attended to his own business exclusively and was by so much the more a reliable helper when his aid being asked the business of his neighbor became his own ferrars was learning to know his man and he knew that the time might soon come when doran would be his closest confidant and strongest assistant in glenville we look for brierly in a day or two the detective said casually as they bowled along he will bring a professional gentleman with him and he turned his head and the eyes of the two met ferrars had found that doran could extract much meaning from a few words at need something in the detective line for instance is that it that explanation will do for glenville doran cert glenville ought to know it too we've been thinking twas about time one of em appeared and doran grinned ferrars smiled well satisfied he knew that the dignified family lawyer and friend who was coming to glenville with robert brierly by his own desire would be promptly accepted as the tardy and eagerly looked-for sleuth who would solve the mystery at once and with the utmost ease and that is what happened the two men arrived a day earlier than they had been expected and the moment robert brierly found himself alone with ferrars he drew from his pocket a letter saying as he unfolded it with gentle careful touch this letter mr ferrars is the last written me by my brother it was in the city passing me on the way before i had arrived there and i found it among others at the office i have not spoken of it even to the doctor read it please ferrars took the letter and read my dear rob since writing you i have found in an old newspaper quite by accident something which has almost set my head to spinning i know what you will say to that old boy it brings up something out of the past something of which i may have to tell you and which should have been told you before it's the only thing concerning myself that is which you do not know as well as i and if i have not confided this to you it was because i almost feared to but then why try to explain and excuse on paper when we are to meet please god so soon brother mine what if that flood tide which comes they say to each once in life was on its way to you and to me well it shall not separate us rob not by my will but stop 
I shall grow positively oracular if I keep on. No one ever could understand an oracle, you know. And so, till we meet, adieu, brother Charlie. When Ferrars had read this strange missive once, he sat for a moment as if thinking, and then deliberately reread it slowly, and with here and there a pause. When at least he handed it back to Brierly, he asked, Do you understand that letter? No more than I do the riddle of the Sphinx, Ferrars. He leaned forward eagerly as he put a question, and his eyes were apprehensive, though his voice was firm. Do you connect that letter in any way with my brother's death? For a moment the detective was silent, thinking of the newspaper and the missing clipping. Then he replied slowly, as if considering between the words. Of course it's possible, Mr. Brierly, but as yet I cannot give an opinion. If you will trust that letter to me for a few days, however, perhaps I may see more clearly. It's a surprise, I'll admit. I had fully decided in my own mind that howsoever much the murderer may have premediated and planned, his victim was wholly unaware of an en of his danger. You were about to say of an enemy. Yes, it is what I have been saying before seeing that letter. He put out his hand, and as Brierly placed the letter in it, he added, Let us not discuss this further. Does your friend, Mr. Myers, know of it? Not a word. Then, for the present, let it rest between us. Two days after this interview, Doran dropped in at the doctor's office, and before he left, had managed to put a newspaper, folded small, into the hands of the detective, quite unperceived by the other occupants of the room. For while since Brierly's return, accompanied by his friend, these two had occupied together the rooms at Mrs. Fry's, the doctor's cottage was still headquarters for them all, while Ferrars now had solitary possession of the guest chamber, formerly assigned to Brierly. Mr. Myers was a shrewd lawyer, as well as a faithful family friend. He had felt from the first that there was a mystery as well as a crime behind the death of Charles Brierly, who had been near and dear to him, as dear as an own son, for the two families had been almost as one ever since John Myers and the elder Brierly, who had been school friends and fellow students, finally entered together the career of matrimony. There had been no children in the Myers homestead, and the two lads soon learned to look upon the Myers house as their second home, and Uncle John Myers had ranked in their regard only second to their well-beloved father, so that when the young men were left alone in a broken and desolate home, that other door opened yet wider and claimed them by right of affection. Mr. Myers had been taken to the scene of the murder, had visited Hilda Grant, and by his own desire had examined the books, papers, and manuscripts in Charles Brierley's rooms, and on the day of Doran's call, a longer drive than he had yet taken had been arranged. He was going, accompanied by Brierly and driven by Doran, to look at the skiff, still unclaimed and waiting upon the lake shore below the town. Ferrars, much to Doran's regret, had declined to accompany them from the first, and when he found himself in possession of the coveted newspaper, he joined the others in their desire that Dr. Barnes should take the fourth seat in the light surrey behind Doran's pet span. And the day being fine, and business by no means pressing, that gentleman consented. End of chapter 13 Recording by Hihi Kitty